Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Khan, and I talk about how you can start, run, and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called Of Tangibility and Lawnmowers. Let's get started. Ever since Danielle and I moved to Canada, that was just a couple weeks ago, I've been having a few new adventures. Getting to mow the lawn in our backyard was one of them. And for a city boy like me, this was a novel and exciting activity, and it definitely impacted me. Danielle pointed out to me that I've been talking a lot about how much fun I had getting the grass cut, and how that differs, in so many ways, from how I talk about my software engineering accomplishments. And I think there's something incredibly alluring about tangible results to your work. Chefs get to present a plated dish, and roofers climb down from a finished roof. Musicians play their final song before they walk off stage, and the cheers of the audience are behind them. They all get to experience a job well done, a feeling of accomplishment and reaching the state of completeness. But for software entrepreneurs, there are few such things. We build products that are never finished. There's no final version of a SaaS business, and the only time you could call it final is when it's a dead product that receives no more care from the founders and nobody's using it. And that's the kind of final I don't want to be talking about, right? That's the the final, the ultimate final. And I don't like that. But during the lifetime of a SaaS business, there is no completion state. Every day, new challenges arise, new customer demands trickle in, and new market movements need to be considered and adjusted for. There's a lot of change. And we have precious little in terms of tangible results in the SaaS world. And when I look outside our kitchen window, I see our backyard in precisely the state I wanted it to be in. The metric that I use for my sense of accomplishment is brutally simplistic. It's good if the grass is short. And if the grass is long, it's not good. I can verify this very easily and quickly by just looking at it. There's no intermediary, no value judgment, no survey I need to run. With the SaaS business, and that certainly is my memory from having run one, it's certainly more complicated too. We set up a complex calculation system, we run convoluted formulas through our spreadsheets, and we looked at elaborate graphs to see how well our businesses were doing. And it's intense, and it's a lot, but it doesn't have to feel like that. In fact, there are a few ways that we can reduce this complexity back to a level that feels more like mowing the lawn and less like operating a very complicated spaceship. So I'm going to talk about a couple of concepts here. The first one is feedback loops and regularity. The great thing about pushing a lawnmower through a backyard is that you need to only look behind you to see the results of your work. Does it look good? Push onward. Is it not to your liking? Change the cutting height on the machine and pull it back a few feet and go again. Tangible work is immediate, particularly if you're both the stakeholder and the person doing the work, like I am in my yard. That's a luxury that we don't get to have in the SaaS world. We need to establish feedback loops with our stakeholders, and those are usually our customers. The tighter you can get those loops, the more immediate your feedback will be. At our EdTech SaaS Feedback Panda, Danielle and I made a point of being fast to reply to our customers whenever they reached out to us. We showed them that we care by doing that. Often, we'd be chatting with them in under a minute, trying to solve their issues there and then. And over time, this caused the most involved and enthusiastic customers to be equally fast in reaching out to us when something didn't work or worked surprisingly well. We had several situations where customers reported bugs and glitches before we could even see them in our error tracking systems. That's how fast they were. And at the same time, and that's the fun part, 
they also quickly reached out to tell us if something stood out to them in a good way. I remember many conversations that were customer-initiated where they found a new feature and really enjoyed it. And not only would they thank us in the customer chat, but they'd also go out of their way to inform their fellow online English teachers on Facebook and other communities about the new thing that they'd discovered. And clearly, this was the best kind of marketing we could get. And for them, this kind of behavior that we showed towards them was so unexpected and so novel and so unlike all the other experiences they had with bigger companies that they just spent so much energy on talking about us and about their relationship with us. It was wonderful. And we got them to do this for us, not because we tricked them, but because we created many touch points and took our customers seriously. Getting this initial response time down to as fast as we can manage really helped us build a reputation for running a business that doesn't just ignore its customers, like most businesses out there do. So even though you can't look behind your lawnmower to see how you're doing, you can build systems into your business and customer service culture that allow you to assess the impact of your work quickly. Just reach out to people and be there for them quickly. Don't ignore them. Don't consider customer service a second level thing or something that you have to do, a chore. It's an opportunity. It's a chance to talk to people. But usually, software work in general has delayed results. You build something today and people start using it in a week or a week from now, and they form an opinion in a month. And those enthusiastic customers are sadly a rare occurrence. Most of the time, people are not that enthusiastic. But once you internalize that these things just take time, you can build up the discipline to sit them out. There's no point in rushing to get feedback from people who aren't ready to give it. Instead, just give people time to come to an opinion. You don't need to know the outcome of your experiment immediately. It'll be fine if it's a couple of weeks or maybe a month from now. And depending on the usage patterns of your software, your users might not even use new features for weeks. If you have an end-of-month report SaaS generator, something like that, you might not even see the adoption for a whole month, and that's fine. But there's one thing you can do right now. That's building a fine-grained usage tracking system into your business. Whenever a user uses a key feature, save an event into a database. Tracking events will allow you to generate product usage flows and cohort-segmented feature adoption reports, a lot of things like that, among many others. It's a great way to see how your users react to new features without asking them. But you should still ask them. Tracking only goes so far. Because the direct feedback you get from a conversation is qualitative. The numbers you get from usage tracking are quantitative. The best decisions for your business stem from knowing as much as you can about both. And here's another truth. Not all things will work out well. Some things will fizzle out. Some you'll need to revert. Certainly remember reverting a couple of features during Feedback Panda because people just really didn't like them or they confused them. We thought it was great, but they didn't like them. So the feedback loop, if it is as tight as possible, will allow you to revert things that are confusing quickly so that your adoption rate stays high and your retention is also high. In the end, it's more important to show up regularly than it is to have every feature release be a dopamine hit for you or for your customers. If you can delay gratification your own, good delayed gratification on the individual feature pushes and consider having happy customers to be an overall success in the long term, you'll have a much easier time. So let's talk about the tools we choose to use. Because since we're already talking about technical solutions like event tracking, it's important to understand and master the tools that you're using. Another anecdote here, a few weeks ago, a family member lent us their lawnmower 
as we had just moved in and hadn't gotten around to buying our own, I started the machine and it immediately caught fire. And that was not a good start, could tell you that. Apparently, a little mouse had built a nest in the mower and the combustion in the engine had set fire to the nest, which then had set fire to the lawnmower. Understand that this was my very first time using a gas-powered lawnmower and I was kind of freaked out by that. I did not have a good time that day. I didn't know how to use the tool for the task properly and I had a stressful time dealing with unexpected behaviors. As a SaaS founder, you will encounter many of these everything is on fire moments, just hopefully in a less literal way. It helps to understand the tools that you're using, be it programming languages, frameworks, libraries, or even infrastructure platforms like AWS or the Google Cloud. That's why you should go with tech you already know, whenever possible. When you're building a business, right? If you're A business is not the place to experiment with a completely new tech stack. That's what hobby projects are for. If you want to build something new with the fancy new programming language that everybody's talking about, just build a little hobby project. But don't try to build a, a business because a for-profit enterprise should be focused on building an easy-to-maintain and adaptable product that people are willing to pay for. That's your mission, not to build the fanciest new technology into a complicated system that only you may understand. Maybe you don't even understand it fully, and nobody can help you with that. It really limits you if you go after technology that you're not really versed in. And um, I've seen a lot of examples of that where people just wanted to build something with, um, well, Golang, for example. They, they were coming from a functional background, from a JavaScript background, and they wanted to use the language Go, which is super interesting. And for products that are um, supposed to compile to like platform-independent binaries, stuff like that. It's wonderful, right? Go is great, and so is Java, and so is, so are lots of other languages. But if you don't know them, and you have to build a system from scratch in that language, it takes you a couple months to even get to a point where you can build the thing you want to build. And a couple months is usually the time that you can pay for things from your savings. So, you know... If you want to spend all your money just staying afloat, learning a new language, I don't think it's going to bode well for your business. So keep using the things you're already using. I've written about this extensively, but I just want to make this point here again. Feedback Panda was built on Elixir and the Phoenix framework. And I didn't do this for the very first time. It wasn't my first contact with the language. I had spent four years prior building software products, building SaaS products with Elixir and Phoenix in a professional capacity. So I knew exactly what framework I was going to be using, what libraries I would need, even what versions of the libraries would work with the things that I wanted to use, what kind of special things I would need to build for myself to just, you know, get the features for Feedback Panda done, and what community I could rely on to help me if I ever ran into problems. I wouldn't have wanted to learn all of this while also trying to get people to buy my product. That's just a lot of work. And I wouldn't feel confident to build it, honestly, if I hadn't, wouldn't have felt confident if I hadn't had all this experience with already building similar products, enterprise level though, but still large scale platform products, exactly something that we needed. So that was Feedback Panda. And my newest SaaS, Permanent Link, is the same technology. Again, I built it on Elixir and Phoenix because I knew that I could quickly build something. I think I built this within a week that like the main functionality, almost all of its functionality was built within like a couple days because I knew how to do it. And then I could put it in the market. 
could talk to people to actually say, hey, we talked about this earlier. I did a lot of research and you were one of my interviewees. The product is now done. Would you like to have a glimpse at it? Would you like to try it out? So I could do this because I could quickly build it. I, Whenever there was a problem, and there are always problems in SaaS, I could quickly fix it because I understood the complexity of the product. So that's your mission if you want to build uh, an actual business. Hence, use the tools that you're confident in using. In my case, um, I bought a new lawnmower, and it was one that I could actually understand. It wasn't a complicated beast with gas. It's a, it's a battery-powered lawnmower, and I'm quite happy because it's light. I get it. It's easy to use. It doesn't scare me as much because there's no mice around, so there's not going to be a mouse nest. You know, I get some insight into the lawnmower, and I understood it. I experimented with it, and now I know how it works. The idea is that tech can sometimes be confusing and a roadblock if you use the wrong one. So let's finally talk about finality or the lack of, because that's also important here. Right? We started out with talking about the feedback loops. We went to tools. And now we want to talk about finality. We founders need to learn to live with the fact that we'll never have a finished product. And the SaaS business is always as good as it gets for now, but never done. And maybe that's also true for my lawn, if I think about it. The grass will continue to grow. I will continue to battle it down with the mower. The journey is the fun part. I find building businesses and running them exciting. I don't really care about if the business is perfect or not. I just enjoy the process. And in fact, I might not even have a destination for this journey. I consider business to be an infinite game, and I want to keep playing it. There's no need to win. Just stay with it. And I think my backyard is quite similar to this. I want it to be nice and usable today and a week from now. Maintaining it, sculpting it, and having friends and family over to use it, all of this is part of the journey. And it's a journey I want never to end. And sure, businesses get acquired all the time, but entrepreneurs do not. They can get your business. They don't get you. And even if you work for them, they don't get you. They don't own you, right? They own a little fraction of your time. We shed our products, and we shed our projects. We sell them to other players in this infinite and never-ending game. New projects arise, and we set out on another adventure. And I find that, for the first time in my life, I found an activity I don't want ever to stop doing. And that's not mowing the lawn. It's entrepreneurship. Empowering other people to help themselves. And I'm glad that this is an endless journey. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Bootser Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Avidkal, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootserfounder.com. You can find my book, Zero to Sold, at zerotosold.com and The Embedded Entrepreneur at embeddedentrepreneur.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me in the Bootstrapfounder podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.